Hello, everyone, and welcome to CVU Quantum Radio Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with your host, Claudia Pareco. Every week, we feature a network of spiritual first responders, bringing the light of consciousness in all areas of alternative medicine, holistic living, and metaphysical. Throughout our high-ranked shows, you and your loved ones will experience an influx of eye-opening information, profound inspiration, compassionate counseling, advanced spirituality, pertinent advice, and loving guidance. Just tune in, live or on demand, and share, share, share. Our shows are held on Mondays and Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. Seaview provides the platform to a diverse array of guests, national and international, who are joining forces to change the world from inside out, utilizing their areas of expertise. If you have something to say, we have the audience for it. All interviews are easily found in social media and are available free and on demand for anyone who wishes to further their knowledge and to transform their lives. Host a show and get your name in the game. Lead with CVU Quantum Radio Network on a new media content revolution that is empowering individuals like you with the ability to globally distribute their ideas and create a following of like-minded fans. To request a show, please email Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, charlotteview.net. Now, enjoy the episode of the day. Thank you, Danny, and welcome everybody to see you. And just so everybody knows, we have a new website. The old one still works. New at website, cview.net. Um, sorry, cview1111.net. So, welcome to today's episode. Today we have back, we welcome back author, Stale Toby Spike, with an interview on her book, There. In There, Stale offers the story of her adventurous life to others, ending each chapter with a companion section designed to help readers begin their own personal inner journeys. Stale's odyssey took her around the world. So the question is, where will yours lead? Last time that we had Stale with us, we had an interview uh, on the topic of the new year of the tree, which is one of many of Stel's passions. This time we are having there, and both interviews are easily found at Stel's website. So you can go directly to her page, scroll down, and click on there. The website address is stelspike.yolasite.com. Dot com. Remember, stale is is written E S T E L L E. Spike S P I K E. Yola site is Y O L A S I T E dot com. And now let's um, bring Stale Toby, the author, the speaker 
the teacher, the activist, and so many other roles that she has had through her life. So she can tell us a little bit more about all of the things she does, who she is, and have a better picture of this fabulous, fantastic woman. Welcome, Estelle. Oh, it's great to be back with you, Claudia. I really enjoy doing these podcasts with you. And, and I do want to add that I have to add like a 45-year big piece uh, of my background, <laughs> and that is as a transpersonal psychotherapist. So that's played a big part in my life view. Dare is not a how-to book. Dare is an allow-to book. It allows you to reveal more of you. You. The authentic, truly creative you. Estelle is constantly invited to present workshops and showcases. To be part of one of her upcoming book launches, please visit her blog, beyondpersonallimits.wordpress.com or her website, estellespike.yolasite.com That's E-S-T-E-L-L-E-S-P-I- K-E dot Y-O-L-A-S-I-T-E dot com. A special discount is offered to CView listeners on Dare on Amazon and at any of Estelle's upcoming workshops. Mark your calendar, June 24th, July 22nd, July 28th, and August 26th. Use the code name DARE25. June 24th, Banner's Nursery, you will receive an additional 10% discount for any item you buy from Banner's Nursery at 4400 Monroe Road, 28205, while Estelle is there. Estelle is one of the local authors who will be featured in the upcoming Mooresville Public Library Showcase on July 28, 2018, from 11 a.m. through 1 p.m. At any D.A.R.E. workshop, CView listeners will receive a special discount. Don't miss out on this opportunity to bring your copy of D.A.R.E. to an interactive small workshop to apply the tools made available in the companion section of D.A.R.E. with the author herself. You need to register. There's limited space. Register at etspike at gmail.com. Use the code name D.A.R.E. 25. If you are listening to this podcast and are not sure if this offer still applies, contact Estelle directly by PM on Facebook, Estelle Spike, or email etspike at gmail.com. Mention codename DARE25. So tell us a little bit about your professional life, because, you know, still, when we read about you on the book, on your website, everything that you have done, it's like, oh, she also is a marriage counselor. Oh, she also does this and that. And, well, of course, you have uh, years of experience and of growth, and, and you have this inquisitive li- mind that makes you always learn something new. So... Give us a picture of who you are. Um, Well, that's interesting. It's kind of jumping ahead to something I was going to say later, but um, 
I think one of the, uh, it's true what you just said about being inquisitive and um, always opening up to um, some new inner and outer adventure. And um, uh, I, th- I think uh, it ties in very much with the talk that I just gave uh, on Monday. I was invited to speak at the Charlotte International Rotary Club, and I spoke on what is um, true creativity. And um, what what I've discovered over the last, well, most of my life, but professionally for the last 45 years, is um, ha- has a lot to do with that statement. And and that was um, brought to my attention by um, a fellow um, colleague, uh, Dr. Larry Dossey, um, when I first met him in Europe, and then I um, at a lecture, and then I bumped into him again through one of his books called um, Healing Beyond the um, the Body, and he he referred to a conference, actually a symposium. Even though his book was written like 2003, 2004, he referred to a very prestigious conference that took place in. Uh, the University of Michigan, many, many years before that, where they had like a think tank, and they brought together all these amazing people from around the world in all different professions, and they asked them the question to spend a week together and discover what was true creativity. And um, what they came up with and what they all agreed on were several similar things, but one sentence that kind of stood out, and they all got behind, and that was creativity is the ability to see, to be, uh, to be aware, and to respond. And that really grabbed me, and I think whatever is your meaning, your meaning in life, as Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross would say, your meaning in life, your spiritual approach to life, your philosophical approach to life, um, that encapsulates it uh, for me, and I think that is part of what um, allows me to be open and, um, and and using the vibrational tool of dare, which I was going to talk a bit more about, um, and it's in my book. Um, there is a page set aside that gives you examples of what the uh, what is it? The I'm gonna. I have a copy right here. What the Rogers 21st Century Thesaurus says about um, the meaning uh, and uh, of the word dare, and it's quite incredible uh, what it includes. So I really have been using uh, uh, this vibration for the majority of my life. <laughs> if that yeah, makes you know. Sense. It does. Still, when you when I I read I read your book and I was fascinated from the beginning and the word there it, it and, and the and the definition it is so ample it is it it encompasses so many things in that little four uh, letters word that it's fascinating how much you can bring there into your life. But there's yes, a little I, bit, I, I, bit yeah, of on. this. Sorry. So, sorry. How, how, does, how does the seeds of burden there come about? Okay. Well, um, 
the seeds, and I love to go back because, like you remember, my other show had to do with trees. I'm always referring back to the natural world. The seeds of D.A.R.E. were quite an interesting story on its own. And um, as you know, I lived for 26 years, was a resident in Portugal and and in England uh, and Europe. And while I was living in my lovely little village in, in Portugal, I was invited to be a speaker at a symposium on innovative approaches to health in Israel in 1996. And it was a daring thing for me to do. I'd never been invited professionally to a international symposium where people were coming from all over the world to participate. Uh, it was the third Dead Sea Conference they had done, and a lot of different international organizations had pulled it together. And I was going to speak on some innovative work I was doing with children because before I became a therapist, a counselor, I was an educator and worked with children a lot, and that has always influenced my way of working. So I went to this conference, this symposium. I was in Israel about 10 days, and it was an amazing experience. And, of course, I came back. I was infused. I was full of energy and and ideas. And I remember uh, coming back to my little village, a very meditative, beautiful place to be, and I sat down uh, one afternoon shortly after that in contemplation and meditation, and that kind of in-between space, and all of a sudden this whole like image story just appeared in my um, inner being, just totally appeared, and I was totally present to it. And and when the the incident or the episode or the experience ended, I immediately got a piece of paper and wrote down what I had just experienced in 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 an incredible depth. And actually, that became a short story um, called "The Summer of uh, Toby and Her Dolphin Swimsuit," which was a short story for a long time, but now. Um, became incorporated in uh, D.A.R.E. as the beginning prologue. And uh, I was never, never, never encouraged to write (laughs) at all. Mm -hmm. I can remember at Temple University when I was doing my bachelor's degree, and they were, um, uh, I had to take certain, you know, prescribed classes, and one of them was an English class or or a literature class. Anyway, I, I, I wasn't doing well in it at all. So I got a tutor, and so this tutor really was great and really helped me, and the next piece of work I submitted to the professor was much better. And I was, and the professor called me into his office, and he didn't believe I wrote it. <laughs> he thought I plagiarized it. Well, that really stymied, and I still remember that. And so there was no encouragement for me to step into this field of writing, you know. But there it was. There was this incredible story, and it was about my life, and it was brought to my consciousness because I had already worked with um, the infamous uh, um, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who brought the whole death and dying and grief and loss uh, arena into the uh, social uh, uh, population, the everyday person's awareness of it. And having worked with her, and so this was incredible, and that was really the seeds. I had no idea I was writing a book at that time, but that was the seeds, 
And then another little story, uh, a fictional story about um, uh, an out-of-body experience of a little child um, uh, came to me, and I wrote it. And interestingly enough, uh, I had it registered in the... um, in Portugal, where you have to register stories if you're going to publish. But I never did anything more with it, and uh, I'm now revising it. I have found the original text, and um, I have uh, wonderful pictures. That uh, It's a children's story. It's called The Boy Who Came Back. So these things started to happen slowly. And then when I came to the States and moved here um, to Charlotte, Slowly, a bit more, a bit more happened. But that was really the seeds of the story. You know, I I can totally relate to that. And I think many of our listeners can also find that in, in their own stories. Like when you think about writing your own story or some of the um, lessons that have marked your own life, you always think, well, who's going to care about that? Like, who cares about the life of Claudia Pureco or the life of Mary uh-huh. Smith or whatever, right? Uh-huh. So it's like, right. I, I, I can see that first, like, why would I write a story about boring me? And who is going to care about that? So I love that you dare yourself and you broke um, that stigma because all of our stories are interesting and have something and there are messages essential messages like the ones on there can you share us what are those messages okay before i do do the uh some of the messages which i certainly want to talk about it's interesting that you made that comment claudia because right before we were getting ready to go on the air i remembered a little phrase that I really liked from a a webinar that um, I was um, um, part of and sharing in. And, and, And this person who was leading this webinar said exactly the same thing, that so many people don't dare to do something because they think, oh, who am I, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that he said, which I really liked, was it's very seldom about the message. It's more about the messenger. So what I feel he's saying in this is we all are connected, and we might have a similar message, but it's the uniqueness of each one of us that is like the... Um, beauty of a meadow with all the little daffodils or all the little daisies or all the little buttercups that on their own might look similar, but when they come together, they make this beautiful um, uh, uh, expression. And so it is about the messenger much more. So uh, that kind of overcomes that little stigma that we're talking about. Uh, Mm -hmm. We all have different ways to uh, contribute. So in terms of some of the essential messages that I feel are available in D.A.R.E., the obvious first one is is that um, 
I'm 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 asking, I'm providing a, a platform, I'm opening up the question of allowing ourselves to um be in life um as an adventure. Okay? And of course in my book it starts out as a lot of external un- incredible adventures. Uh and then as you go on in dairy you find that that inner adventure of uh how we stay vibrant and um have that awe and wonder and discovery in our life even if we don't go anywhere that the world thinks is exciting you know so th- mm-hmm. that that's a real um essential thing which i invite people to um, delve into and reflect on, a, as you mentioned in the companion section, and I think that is something as well that's very essential in Dare, is this wonderful uh, companion section that people uh, can um, jump into at the end of most of the chapters. And um, I've I've done uh, I I do uh, workshops uh, with the book. And on one of the workshops I did recently, um, the the particular reader who was participating in the workshop really, really found those that section of the book profound for them in the kinds of um, uh, little stories and reflections th- that I get into with them. Uh, another thing that's um, essential uh, in D.A.R.E., is that because it's an adventure that that really fits into uh, our holistic thinking on uh, we are becoming and, and that change it it's like nature everything is constantly changed cuz you hear people saying oh I'll never change you know so that brings me back to uh, this talk I gave on true creativity. And, and in D.A.R.E., there's an opportunity to really expand and become more creative from this definition, the definition of the ability to see, observe, and respond. Um, each of the chapters... Uh, the way they unfold in their humility and and often in a great deal of humor on myself because they're, they're tales about me uh, gives you an opportunity to rethink. Uh, are you really seeing? Are you really observing? Are you really responding? And when I ask this question of the Rotary Club and of myself on a daily basis, am I really seeing, observing, and responding? Or a lot of the times am I perceiving through my own belief structures, my own assumptions, my own habits, uh, uh, and reacting? And so I think, once again, in D.A.R.E., this gives you an opportunity to have what I call some aha moments and some of that old way of looking kind of drop off so you have a greater opportunity to be a really by this definition a creative person and and I want to mention here that and I'm going to repeat this um dare is not a how to book dare is an allow to book and what I really feel about that is it's uh 
it gives you an opportunity to allow you to become more yourself. And it's never a formula for how you should do uh, your life, you know. Um, In the interactive companion sections, I find them a great place for the reader to enter into reflection and sometimes, you know, um, there's some interactive exercises which are fun. And in these responses, um, there's a possibility that, that, like Estelle, Toby, or sometimes when it starts out, I'm Toby, and as I got older, I started to use my first name as well. But in the situations that Estelle or Estelle Toby finds herself, it gives the reader an opportunity, because I'm humbling myself, I'm opening myself, to really shed and release some of those old beliefs and assumptions and expectations and habits. And it's not like it's something that um, you've done once, you're over with it. It's an ongoing dance that we have, and I think D.A.R.E. assists you with that, you know. And and then another essential message that I hope comes through, and that is humor. Uh, and Ken Key's book on um, seven uh, higher states of consciousness, one of the um, states of consciousness which he considered to be extremely important was cosmic humor. And in Chapter 19, uh, the story about the return of the smile, it's one of my favorite um, chapters on reminding me about my own assumptions, you know? Uh, and yeah, I, I think there, yeah, I, I'm going to add one other thing that I think is a <laughs> message throughout the book. And that is our interconnectedness. And if we have a chance, which we might not, because I go on and on, uh, <laughs> in the chapter, the tribute to the plane tree, is really an opportunity, uh, amongst many things, to recognize our interconnectedness to all of life. And um, my soul companions that uh, you meet in my book is another opportunity to see how we are so interconnected. And uh, some colleagues of mine, referring again to Dr. Larry Dossey, would say that, um, and from my background of consciousness studies and transpersonal thought, that uh, we all are one, we all are connected, we all are uh, facets of each other. You know, So that, uh, I feel, comes through. And it does. And I, I wanted to go um, and uh, say it again and and read it again. What does there mean? You know, there right. can be a noun, can be a challenge, a provocation. When you read there, it is a personal self-challenge and a provocation of your thought process. It's not about others. It's about you. And I love that. Through the pages of there, it shouts at you to be brave, to confront, to face, and also to laugh at, to meet, to master your courage, to take risk, to be courageous, adventurer, to attempt, to be bold and endeavor. Go ahead, make bold, pluck up, 
take a chance, take heart, undertake, venture, challenge, have the capacity, and defy. And through all of your life, um, stale, and most probably if we sat and think about our own life, we have there a lot. And the way that you put it in, in, a, in your book, it's very illustrating of what life is. And, you know, life is so rich and colorful, and it's always bringing you all of these experiences that enrich and there. So uh, thank you for, for writing that and for using humor and, on, and the tools that you have shared through your through your the chapters well it, like i said um i think we're also going to ho- hopefully have an opportunity to talk about what i have learned by not just writing this book uh and not just getting it edited which is was uh, all last year but not just publishing it but this stage right now of putting myself out there and promoting it, I mean, all of it has um, enacted me constantly to use the vibrations, the many multiple vibrations of D.A.R.E. to keep at it And, and, and to recognize it as a vehicle. You know, uh, I think it, when I decided to finally publish this, I, I asked for it to be a vehicle like Dorothy on the yellow brick road. I like referring to um, that image uh, a lot um, because it, it, it is the adventure. It is the process. It, it, it is the, the along the way much more than it is the destination because the destination keeps changing by all the experiences that happen along the way and and that's what is um enriching it's never really well, I don't know what the end goal is now we could get into something heavier <laughs> because the end goal for all of us means we will at one point not be here anymore on the physical plane and i do mention in some of my um common uh companion sections when it's appropriate because in the prologue, uh, it's, it has a lot to do with my, my mother dying, and it has to do with my near-death experience of almost drowning, even though uh, young Toby didn't realize that was what was happening to her. So ultimately, we are talking about um, death, um, and we talk about death from living. I mean, there, there. We, we, we cannot get rid of that. Even though our culture doesn't like to focus on that very much, um, my book was recently reviewed by the Scientific and Medical Network Organization, which is an international, uh, prestigious, professional organization around the world. Originally developed in the United Kingdom in England, and. Um, I was a member of it when I lived in Europe for about 10 years, went to a lot of conferences, uh, spoke at some of their conferences. One of the last ones I did was in 2004 in Regent's Park um, in London on our uh, on how we find the world as such an interconnected place. 
And um, the review that David Lormier, who is the program director, did, he touched uh, upon that in terms of uh, all these adventures um, uh, are on some levels preparing us for our ultimate adventure. And our culture doesn't like to talk about that very much, but that's a lot of my professional background since I studied with the psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross um, as a death and uh, dying and grief and loss counselor. Um, I incorporated that into uh, from the transpersonal perspective. And once again, the transpersonal um, perspective as a therapist is the holistic integrative perspective, which uh, today is the whole mind-body field, the whole consciousness studies field, is um, was born in like the late 60s, 70s, uh, on the West Coast, of course, in California, uh, and, and would become academically called the transpersonal field by the mid '80s. So we we are we are dealing with and how we deal with all these transitions because we're always in transition um, uh, with the ultimate transition of death. Dare is not a how-to book. Dare is an allow-to book. It allows you to reveal more of you. You. The authentic, truly creative you. Going back to your, um, to Dare, when you were a little girl and that near-death experience happened, you didn't even think about it. You, it was not something that made an impact in your life back well, then. Well, no, 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 no. I'm going to correct you there because, or it, 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 yeah, in the prologue, if you read the subtlety uh, in the prologue, I knew something had happened to me, and I knew it was something pretty special, but nothing that I could talk about, and certainly not to adults. And that uh, uh, it was there inside of me because in the last um, uh, sentences, uh, when somehow or other the ocean returns me to the shore, like I said, like um, the um, uh, the turtle who lays the eggs, they're washed up on the shore. Uh, I was returned, but I did have a question inside me that I never told anybody about uh, all through uh, my life. And I had terms for some of the non-ordinary experiences that happened to me in my childhood, but I never told anybody about them until I got into the consciousness studies field. And so if you look again at that prologue, she did not think she was drowning. Um and only at the end she got a little panicked, but she knew something had happened, but something that she had no words for and that she couldn't really share with anybody. And I was like 56, I believe. I'm trying to remember 1979 uh, 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 when I came back from Israel, uh, when that surfaced again, you know. And th then I had another level of understanding about it, but I knew something had happened. 
Uh, see, I almost did a PhD. I started a pilot project of a PhD at John Moore uh, um, University in Liverpool, England. Um, the head of that program is a wonderful man named Brian Les, uh, Lester uh, Lancaster, and we're 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 still in touch. And the program was consciousness studies and transpersonal uh, field. And um, I started a pilot program on non-ordinary experiences of children, and it it. it it, it it became a focus for me after I did so much of my own training in my own field that gave me a better perspective on these rich experiences I had as a child, but our culture in the West does not pay attention or want to know about um, experiences that happen in Eastern cultures, like Eastern cultures that believe in reincarnation, they're aware of children that can tell a story about, you know, getting here and where they were before. That's all documented. But in our culture, we don't pay very much attention to that. And so the interviews I did with several children and the style I did it in revealed things that they might not have talked about or might not have paid much attention to, which today we can say were out-of-the-body experiences, were possibly near-death experiences. Um, uh, the silver cord, which is in the Kabbalah tradition of um, energetic uh, medicine, uh, these are all things that our culture doesn't um, incorporate as healthy uh, um, and, and as important, so children don't talk about it. And I started a PhD on that. So uh, I believe Toby did know something happened, but she would not have called it what we would call it today. In in your book, in there, in one of the chapters of your companions, you talk about this companion, sole companion of you. And he read your poem. And you mentioned that when this this year or this time that you met him, that's when you think or do you believe that that's when Estelle opened up herself to all of these um, psychic, paranormal, esoteric, metaphysical area of your life? Well... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, um, and I, I I must go back uh, before I met Bupender, um, who was a great uh, lay philosopher, and actually he was one of the uh, most wealthy people in India. He was a mogul of refrigeration and a uh, manufacturer, you know, uh, uh, all across India, and he. In India, in the late 60s, ice was uh, was a commodity that was for the very wealthy. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you didn't find ice easily in that hot uh, country, and uh, he produced most of it. And so it, it, it was kind of a, a fun story about how we met and everything. But I have to go back to... Uh, before I left um, San Francisco, you know, I was in San Francisco 
at the height of the whole hippie movement, mm-hmm. hate Asper and all that. So I was already intrigued by um, you might call the esoteric or or, or um, uh, that which was not in the popular culture. Uh, um, uh, of, and that was not of interest, and that's what esoteric really is. Um, anything that is not considered the norm, or is not considered important, or not being paid attention to. I was really open to that, and I won't go into totally what were some of the means in which I was opened, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even before I um, accepted my dear from my soon-to-be cousin through marriage, Indonesian crazy professor at Sanford University in California, and um, and, and I went on this adventure. Um, so I, I was already open to expanding my own ideas. I mean, I came from an upper middle class, uh, really solid, you know, American at the time in which the American dream was really happening in my family. And so I always referred to myself as uh, uh, could have been, would have been, didn't want to be uh, an upper middle class Jewish princess because I was in an environment where all that could have been possible, but I really didn't like um, playing that role out very much. I wasn't very good at it, even though we belonged to a prestigious country club and stuff like that. Uh, I I didn't really act out the way a Jewish princess was supposed to act out. Um, preparing myself to find, you know, the right man who was going to be either a doctor, a banker, or a lawyer, you know? So I was open to something else even before I knew what it was. And meeting Bupinder uh, at, at a uh, restaurant uh, with the the man friend I was um, uh, with, which was a stage actor that I had met at, at a movie studio I was living on, living at, um, and finding out that he was a palmist as a hobby. Well, for him it wasn't a hobby. It was part of his philosophy, even though he was a big businessman, you know. So I was already open to that. And, of course, I always feel that India did, plus the other places I was in, but I actually lived in India almost a year, and I lived with Indians and I lived as an Indian. I wore saris and things like that. I was really incorporated in the culture. It shifted so much of my belief structures. It really shed a lot of things for me um, to the point that when I came back, I thought the answer for mankind and womankind was be a world traveler. It will solve the problems <laughs> of the world, you know. And recently I was listening to uh, a Hay House um, had one of its speakers on a webinar and she had had an adult near-death experience. And she said when she came back, she was so excited to share with uh, everybody what she had learned and all her beliefs that happened before her near-death, you know, were totally turned around and uh, changed. 
and nobody wanted to hear her, you know. And she was amazed that nobody really wanted to hear what she had to say. <laughs> and I felt a similar way when I came back in 1971, full of vibrant life and all these new understandings, and nobody really wanted to hear, you know. So uh, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting, but, you know, it's it's just that when... When it happens to you, it doesn't happen to the rest of the people. We moved from Mexico like 25 years ago. And one of the things, a a very um, simple thing that changed my mind was the the tides from the ocean. The what? The the tides. The tides, right. Yeah. In Mexico, it is always at night that the tide happens, high tide and low tide, high tide is only at night because we're so close to the equator. So when I came to the U.S. and um, we wanted to go to the beach, and you're like, oh, why why is the ocean all the way up here? And then people would say, well, because you have to check the tide. And and it's so simple still, but for that, I – I immediately was like, oh, so this is not the normal. And like that, there are thousands and thousands of of things that are where normal before. Well, actually, I totally agree with you. And just the other day when I gave the talk at the Rotary, uh, a gentleman who had lived in Asia a long time and could relate to, you know, how – it changed me. He asked me, and I said, well, a whole lot of beliefs. Like, I never was encouraged in the culture I was around to consider myself to be attractive. And when I got to India, I mean, I had men around me. I, I, I mean, I it was just the opposite. Um, uh, and there were so many uh, uh, things like um, there was... Uh, the poor and the rich were were right beside each other. There was not this separation. There was not this uh, hidden thing that um, now it's changing in our culture because there's so much homelessness going on. But up until the last 15 years or so, um, these kinds of things that were considered undesirable were kind of hidden. And and that mm-hmm. was the opposite uh, when when I was in India, and also um, the first family I spent any time with there, they were an extended family, and they were in the heart of what was then Bombay, which is now Mumbai. They were very happy people, and 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 some of the, the members of the extended family were living as a couple in what we would consider a dressing room closet. And they wow. didn't in any way feel diminished about who they were and uh, how much money they had or succeeding or that kind of thing. And and so th- there were a lot of major things that were just flipped, you know, just flipped o- overnight. It would be totally different. And so that makes you question anything. If, if, if just three major things like that are different, that makes you question on some level you know how set in stone are all these beliefs? You know. Yeah, and and yeah. you know in your book, the there is this mention on how different relationship we have with Mother Earth, with nature, and yeah. those walls that you were um, describing, full of insects, where 
here, oh, yes. there's yes. no way you would live in a place where your walls are covered with insects. And yes. that's well, the, the, the uh, Thank God the insects were on the outer wall, but it was a whole different relationship with nature. Very true. And I'm watching our time because I also was going to do some reading from yeah. there and um and talking about nature, uh, I chose a chapter, but I also wanted to share with people before we had to finish about the upcoming events that I'm doing uh, with this book and uh, to invite them. And I had a little special kind of um, discount for them uh, that I'm going to put into effect today yeah, um, with there for getting the book on Amazon and if the and any of my events I have a big if they're in Charlotte I have a big book launch uh, coming up at Banners Garden Nursery here in the Oakhurst neighborhood because Banners is a fantastic old business that's been in Oakhurst which is on the east side of Charlotte on Monroe Road and they supported me when we did a um, art show. I never thought I was an artist, but an artist friend of mine said, "You're an artist," and <laughs> I work just with um, throwaway, uh, discarded materials when I get a chance to play around. And they um, very much encouraged me to do um, uh, an exhibit, and they are supporting me in doing our uh, book launch on June uh, 2nd, between 10 and 2, in this beautiful environment. And we're right next door, Oakhurst, the east side. We now have our own common market, which is just next door to get something to drink or something to nibble. And they're giving a, a lovely discount for what they're calling all of D.A.R.E. launch. Folks that come out uh, for my book, uh, you buy anything at their nursery, they're giving you a lovely discount. And um, and starting today, I'm giving a special discount uh, on Amazon uh, through the 31st for people who are intrigued by what they've heard so far about D.A.R.E. and um, getting involved with it. And on June 24th, I'm doing uh, um, my second workshop using the uh, book D.A.R.E., here once again my location is here in Charlotte and they can you know contact me um to get involved with that and they will as well if they contact me and say dare 25 cuz today's the 25th they will get a discount on being involved with the workshop which would be quite fun i think and i also wanted to announce that i was invited and included in a uh, local author's showcase up in Mooresville, in Mooresville Public Library, uh, which is going to be on July 28th from 11 to 1 p.m. So those are just a, um, a few of the things that are happening uh, that are stretching me and constantly, you know, like that showcase is going to be the first time I've ever done anything like that. I've never done that before. And... Um, so all these, after the production, after the publishing um, of D.A.R.E. is still allowing me to be out in the world and quite creative with dealing with promoting it. And remember, it's D.A.R.E. 25, so go to Amazon, buy the book, 
go to her workshops, go to the showcase and mention their 25 from now to date um, until the 31st. And um, to contact um, Estelle, it is very easy. You can go to Facebook and uh, go to Estelle Spike and then private message here. Or you can go to her website, which is in the Jola site. So it is. And they can also uh, 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 email me, which is uh, still my favorite mode of social media. At etspike at gmail dot com, and or you can contact me, Claudia Pureco, and you say, "Hey, I live in there, and I want to get in touch with Phil. I will connect you with her as well." And um, so, before we say goodbye for today, we're gonna listen to one of the um, one section of her book. And we want to thank you, everybody, for listening and share, share, share. So, Estelle, what are you going to read us? Well, if if we have time to get through it, they're not long chapters, but this is because I am a tree person and the last um, uh, podcast we did together was on trees and I feel this chapter really shows our interconnectedness with all of life. And it, it's called A Tribute to the Plane Tree at the Top of My Road. And it actually was a plane tree at the top of my road. And uh, so here it goes. Isabel, I want to thank you for helping me to expand my vision of D.A.R.E. to include my tale about the giant sequoias. You see, what has happened is by putting that beautiful tale in D.A.R.E., well, now I'm reminded of another one. Yes, about trees. For some time, I have been a lay environmentalist, especially since our first school tree planting. So let me tell you what happened. And here here I go. And she encourages me to write it all down. That is true, Estelle. Okay, well, I'm moving on so we have enough time. Now the tale unfolds. Varzi de Sintra, April. Portugal, 1998. Teresa quietly asked me, Is it true? They cut her down. I am in Teresa's little shop to find a small gift for a friend, and I had a feeling Teresa might mention our plane tree. I respond in my poor Portuguese, Sim, Teresa, é verdade. I share my emotional sentiments about the loss of our friend and our plane tree at the top of my small road. Our small village of Varzia has responded quickly in true village style to its brutal death. The actual crime, because crime is how everybody in our village has and continues to experience the act, took place just days ago. It was a criminal act, the cutting down of our beautiful plane tree, our friend, the giant shade-bearing plane that guarded the entrance to my tiny village road. The telling of this tale constitutes both celebration and sad tribute, to respect and honor the memory of a friend loved and lost. Yes, the plane tree was my friend. The giant plane was unique, just like all my friends. It was a beacon, the final road sign guiding my guests when they were arriving for feast and fun. It was a special beauty of nature that announced to all visitors that they had reached their destination. 
I did not take my giant friend for granted. It is so easy day after day to forget the beauty that surrounds us, but I would often pause and look up to the top of my road to admire my giant friend and the way it guarded the entrance to my road. I admired the tree and watched its changes throughout the seasons. I often waited for the local bus underneath the broad umbrella of shade my giant friend offered. Even when I had no time to stop and look, I felt the giant plane's presence. It served as a kind of sentinel, a guard that also provided welcome shade and needed oxygen, as well as beauty to uh, her surroundings. It wasn't until the day, that shocking day, when returning home, I saw that my friend had been cut to the core of its being, that I realized the giant plane had given me much more than shade, breath, and beauty, more than its presence. That beloved giant tree represented continuity, represented history. On the day it was brutally murdered, I learned that the tree was planted by the great-great-grandfather of one of my neighbors. That tree had lived and seen all that had come and gone for more than 113 years. The giant plane tree held stories of passing wedding processions, horse-drawn carriages carrying friends and families, shepherds herding their sheep and goats, festivals and funerals. The plane tree held memories of thousands and thousands of those who had passed beneath its grand presence as they passed and paused, often laden with parcels from the market and sought shade and comfort from the giant friend. Yes, our giant plane held many tales, much history. It symbolized the past, the present, and future, for it was a healthy giant with the potential for living many more years. As the months passed after the loss of my giant friend, many a neighbor in passing conversation spoke of its absence, its um, demise. One early evening, as I awaited the coming of night and the close of day, I lit a colorful candle and set it upon the broad windowsill and quietly sat down in my wicker chair. I sat watching the dancing light, listening to the sounds of birds and barking dogs. The Portuguese window shades were three-quarters drawn, and as I sat and looked and listened, a curious thing was revealed. There, within the open spaces of the Portuguese shades, an image began to emerge. The image appeared like a giant roof, a roof with twin chimneys. I knew that the vista facing west from my window did not contain a giant roof with twin chimneys, yet there in the dotted light through my partially drawn window shades stood the giant roof. I murmured quietly to myself, Oh yes, I see it now, I know, I know the roof that I gaze upon. It is those twin pines and their broad leafy neighbor who live on the far side of my road. Yes, of course, they form a natural roof in nature's plan of things. This again made me reflect upon the loss of my beautiful friend. I felt as if a home of nature had been removed from its natural dwelling place, for its nat- from its natural community, which was a part of my own natural community. As I reflected upon this image, it felt to me as both an inner and outer image. I could gaze through the pine-lit reflection, pin-lit reflection spaces and see the giant trees across the way, and then close my eyes and see and sense the trees as beautiful roofs of protection, a protection of our delicate living earth. I could then expand this inner image to this small ancient mountain, the Sarah, 
and sense the actual feeling of the protecting roof, a roof that the forest provided to the valleys and hills of the sloping Serra. My loving plane tree, I sighed. The giant plane was once again a vibrant presence, a living reminder of our beloved friend. Just as a memory of a beloved is rekindled in many forms, so the memory of the giant plane had been lit and brought to light in the image through the Portuguese window shades. And that is the beauty of our, our memory and our imagination and that we can always go back. And people have to read the book to hear and get into the beautiful companion section that's related to that story, uh, which I said is one of my favorites. So thank you so much for... Um, uh, Allowing me to be here with you, it's always a pleasure, Claudia. I appreciate it so much, and I hope the reader will be... You know, I really do believe that this book, Dare, stands on its own. It doesn't matter that I happen to write it. It asked to be born, and I stayed the course, and I dared to do it, and here it is. And I am just uh, happy that you're here with us, and... I can't wait to see where it goes. And hopefully I'm alive when everything <laughs> gets bigger and bigger and beyond ourselves. So thank you for writing that and for sharing that with me and bringing this to our listeners and, and our family of podcasters. It's, it's a rich, rich treasure that you just shared with us. It's interesting. I just got a text on my other phone that uh, one of the people who was doing a workshop with me this weekend caught part of your uh, um, um, our interview and and sent me a heads up. Oh, nice! Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for listening, and and everybody just share, 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 and still you're always welcome to come back. I know this is not the the last there in your life so you're going to have much more <laughs> and we we love to share your dares with our audience and to have you here with us and blessings have a wonderful weekend everybody have a wonderful weekend and thank you for being here thank you ciao dare is not a how to book Dare is an allow-to book. It allows you to reveal more of you. You. The authentic, truly creative you. Estelle is constantly invited to present workshops and showcases. To be part of one of her upcoming book launches, please visit her blog, beyondpersonallimits.wordpress.com or her website, estellespike.yolasite.com Dot com. That's E-S-T-E-L-L-E-S-P-I-K-E dot Y-O-L-A-S-I-T-E dot com. A special discount is offered to CView listeners on DARE on Amazon and at any of Estelle's upcoming workshops. Mark your calendar, June 24th, July 22nd, July 28th, and August 26. Use the code name 
Dare 25. June 24th, Banner's Nursery, you will receive an additional 10% discount for any item you buy from Banner's Nursery at 4400 Monroe Road, 28205, while Estelle is there. Estelle is one of the local authors who will be featured in the upcoming Mooresville Public Library Showcase on July 28, 2018, from 11 a.m. through 1 p.m. At any D.A.R.E. workshop, Seaview listeners will receive a special discount. Don't miss out on this opportunity to bring your copy of D.A.R.E. to an interactive small workshop to apply the tools made available in the companion section of D.A.R.E. with the author herself. You need to register. There's limited space. Register at etspike at gmail.com. Use the code name DARE25. If you are listening to this podcast and are not sure if this offer still applies, contact Estelle directly by PM on Facebook, Estelle Spike, or email etspike at gmail.com. Mention code name DARE25. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.